The Cincinnati Bearcats have accepted a bid to the NIT. How do I feel about it? How should you feel about it? Those questions answered. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you very much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We're free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cincinnati Bearcats are headed to the NIT. They will take on Virginia Tech tomorrow night, a home game for the Cincinnati Bearcats. The Bearcats are the fourth seed in their quadrant of the NIT bracket. Virginia Tech, the five seed. That game tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. How do I feel about the Bearcats going to the NIT? I feel pretty good. I feel really good, actually. I, I like that the Cincinnati Bearcats are going to play in a postseason, post-conference tournament. I feel really happy for Micah Adams-Woods. I feel really happy for Jeremiah Davenport. I feel really happy for... Um, excuse me, David, Mike Adams-Woods, Jeremiah Davenport, those two. I feel happy for David DeJulius. I feel happy for Landers Nolly. I feel happy for every player on this team that they get to play in the NIT. It's not the NCAA tournament. I understand there are expectations within this program, but the Bearcats did the right thing by accepting the bid. I look at teams like North Carolina, who I look at a team like North Carolina, I should say, who declined a bid to the NIT which I understand there are expectations for that program, but I think they're selfish to not play in the NIT just because they fell from preseason number one to out of the tournament. I think it's selfish. I think it's arrogant what they did. But back to Cincinnati, the focus is on the Bearcats. They're going to compete in the NIT to get better. They're going to compete in the NIT against 12 teams from power conferences, major conferences. I count the Big East as a major conference. I also count the Missouri Valley as a major conference. That might come as a shock to some of you, but I always have and I always will. The Cincinnati Bearcats are going to have a great opportunity this week and over the next few weeks, potentially, to compete against Power 5 teams, major teams, and play in a tournament, a knockout tournament, the tournament that's just below the NCAA tournament. And there are some really good programs in this tournament. Virginia Tech being one of them. Rutgers is the number one seed. The Bearcats could play them in the second round in Piscataway, New Jersey. Um, the, Colorado is in this tournament as the two seed. You've got Seton Hall in this tournament. You, you know Seton Hall is a really, really good program. There are some good programs the Bearcats could run into in this tournament that I really am really excited about. Because, yes the Bearcats are technically still members of the American. But to me, that to me, it's like now they're members of the Big 12. And what I'm also really interested in seeing, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow and more throughout the offseason for basketball purposes, is what this is going to do for guys like Micah Adams-Woods, Jeremiah Davenport, and Landers Nolly, who are eligible to come back next season. They didn't participate in senior day. This year, they didn't, they did not. 
So do they come back? That is the question. And I want to see if David DeJulius is going to rise to the occasion after a lackluster performance in the conference semis against Houston. This is a really good opportunity for the Bearcats. I look at teams, over, and this is Cincinnati's first NIT bid since 2010. But I look at what it has done for programs of late. I look at what it did for Texas in 2019. They won the NIT. They, in 2021, so the next year there was a tournament, they were a three-seed and Big 12 tournament champions. I look at what Memphis did the year after they won the NIT. They were a nine-seed in the tournament, played for a conference championship, won a tournament game, nearly took down Gonzaga in the second round. I look at Xavier this year, crosstown rivals to the Bearcats. That's obvious. But Xavier won the NIT last year. They finished second in the Big East this year, played for a championship in their tournament, or a three-seed this year in the NCAA tournament. A three-seed. This is a program who missed the previous four tournaments. Really three, because 2020 there wasn't a bracket. But teams have benefited from playing in the NIT. And I think about a program like Cincinnati, who hasn't really been the same in four years. This is an opportunity for them to compete against good teams and good programs and play in a postseason like the NCAA tournament. Because next year, every game from New Year's to is going to be war. You think it's war against Houston? Well, they're going to the Big 12 too. And I've got a few other thoughts on this. It, it gives you the opportunity to keep competing and stay relevant locally. I think about Dayton in 2010 and having grown up in Springboro, which is in between Dayton and Cincinnati. But I observed the Dayton program in 2010, they won the NIT. I remember, I remember that vividly. And that was a time when Xavier was obviously very relevant. They were perennial NCAA tournament teams. The Bearcats were relevant because they were trying to rebuild after a wildly successful era under Bob Huggins. And obviously the fallout from his departure and subsequent what I mean, the subsequent issues that the program and the athletic department had, but or I should I shouldn't say the athletic department, but the, actually, yeah, because there was a mul- there were multiple athletic directors. C. Trent Rosecrans uh, described it to me once when he cut when he was on the Bearcats beat at the Enquirer, and they were very, they were relevant at the time for those reasons. But Dayton didn't go to the tournament after making it in 2009 and winning the game in the first round against West Virginia. So they played in the NIT and they made this run. That that was relevant. That was a very relevant team and a relevant time playing in the NIT. You look around you, if you're Cincinnati, Xavier is playing in the tournament Friday. They got a real shot to go on a nice run this year. NKU is playing on Thursday night in the tournament. The Bearcats are not. But if they can string together a few wins, you only have to win five games to win the NIT. Three to get to the semifinals and final at the at um, 
in Vegas. So there is a real opportunity here for Cincinnati to stay relevant locally. Um, I'm excited that the Bearcats are playing games this deep into March for the first time in a long time. Even if it's not the NCAA tournament, I want to see who wants to compete. I want to get a look at players eligible to come back. And can Wes Miller improve coaching in games against really good competition? You're talking about facing an ACC team to start. Then you're going to face potentially a Big Ten team in Rutgers. And we look at the bracket for the NIT. It's a really strong field, the NIT. The Bearcats quadrant is Rutgers and Hofstra right above them, New Mexico and Utah Valley, and then Colorado Seton Hall. So you've got three Power 5 teams there plus a major team in Seton Hall. you got Oklahoma State, Washington State in another quadrant. You have Oregon as a number one seed, Florida, UCF, Wisconsin, Villanova. And then you've got Clemson, Vanderbilt, Michigan. Those are some really good teams. Semifinals and final at the Orleans Arena in Paradise, Nevada. Excuse me, it's not Las Vegas. It says it's in the Las Vegas Valley. And then again, how much can you trust Wikipedia? I don't know. But the point is this. I'm really happy that the Bearcats going to the NIT. You should feel the same. I know I kind of held that question towards the end of the segment, but you should feel really happy about the Bearcats playing in the NIT, considering where this program has been. You got to understand what your expectations are for this program, but also understanding where it is. A lot of fans are visibly frustrated. I see it on social media. I see it in the comments, and that's totally fine. I am too. I told you yesterday how much I missed Selection Sunday, knowing the Bearcats are going to get in and who are they going to play, where they're going to play. But playing a home game in the NIT right now for where this program was two years ago at this time is really, really good. Progress is being made. Year two under Mick Cronin, it was not like this. The Bearcats weren't even close to going back to the NCAA tournament in 2008. I do believe the Bearcats are close. And if they're able to retain some of the key players from this year's team on next year's team, they could be in a, they could have a really good season, even against better competition. Because I believe in what, I believe in the culture Wes Miller is building. The problem is he hasn't won big games. He has an opportunity to do it. And don't think that winning in the NIT translates does not translate to the next season because I saw it this year with Xavier. I saw it with Memphis the year before, and I saw it with Texas in 2021. So there is absolutely everything to gain from playing in the NIT this season if you're the Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm excited. I hope you are too. Nine o'clock tomorrow night. We'll have a preview of the game tomorrow. Russ and I will do a live room on Thursday. Can't believe I'm doing a live room on Thursday during the NCAA tournament, but that's okay. I'll, I'll have like three TVs going and whatnot here in Columbus. So looking forward to being a part of that. I'm looking forward to uh, covering this and giving you the coverage you deserve here on Locked On Bearcats. By the way, today is pie day. What kind of pie do you like? I might go Boston cream tonight. I don't know if I'm going to have pie tonight, but if I do, I might go Boston cream because that is really, really good. Anyway, that aside, coming up, why the Bearcats fall from perennial NCAA tournament contenders is unexpected. I will get into all of that after I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you 
by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook, the Bulls, my Chicago Bulls. They're in 10th place in the East. I believe they're in 10th place in the East at the time of this recording. So clinging to that final play-in spot in the NBA play-in tournament for the playoffs. New customers. Yeah, no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official Sports betting partner of the NBA. Grab your bracket and go listen to the Locked On, Co- Co- Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown with national analysis and the insights from our local experts. The Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown has everything you need to make the most informed decisions on your bracket. Find the episode on Locked On College Basketball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Alex Frank back with you, your host each and every day right here on Locked On Bearcats. The Cincinnati Bearcats are in the NIT this year, and that is great considering where this program was two years ago. But I was thinking about this yesterday. The, like, if, if I can point to a specific game where it felt like the Bearcats program wasn't what it was for those nine years under Mick Cronin or for those, or, or for those years under Bob Huggins, 16 years under Bob Huggins, if I can go to a specific game and there is one I'll get to that here in just a minute but the last 3 years for the Cincinnati Bearcats do you realize they have finished no higher than 4th in the AAC prior to that i should say they finished no higher than 4th in the AAC now they're in the Big 12 prior to that the Bearcats only finished lower than 3rd one time in their first 7 seasons in the American they were the number 1 seed in 2014 they were the 3 seed in 2015, they were a four seed in 2016, but they still went to the tournament as a nine seed. They were the second seed in 17, top seed in 18, second seed in 19, would have been the top seed in 20 had that tournament happened. So the Bearcats through their first seven seasons in the AAC were remarkably consistent. Only one time did they finish lower than third. But in their last three years, they did not finish higher than fourth. Fifth place finish in 21, an eighth place finish in 2022, and a fourth place finish this year. When you look at what the when you look at what the Bearcats did under Mick Cronin, in their and they struggled in the Big East his first few seasons, but they did finish in fourth in 2012. That was their highest Big East finish. And then you go back to Conference USA and the number of times they won the regular season in the conference tournament. We're not used to this. We're not used to the Bearcats finishing middle of the pack in a quote-unquote mid-major conference. Next year, there's 14 teams in the Big 12. I will take a 7th or 8th place finish in the Big 12 over a 4th place finish in the American 7 times out of 7 days of the week. And it's just so unexpected, the fall. Now, what happened? I'll tell you exactly what happened. And I said this on every show I did with Bearcast Media. Going into the 2020-2021 season, 
there was no alpha already on the team. Think about it. That was the first team where there wasn't a Sean Kilpatrick or a Gary Clark or a Troy Copain or a Jaron Cumberland. And you can even extend that to alpha twos. I'm talking about the second best players. I'm talking about guys like Yancey Gates or Kevin Johnson or Jacob Evans III or Trey Scott. That team in 2020-2021 did not have that. Who was the closest player? Keith Williams? Well, wasn't that great. Good player. Really progressed over his four seasons with the Bearcats. Loved watching him play. But that was it. Chris Vogt was certainly not an alpha. The Julius, I mean, at times you thought he might be, but I don't think he ever really was. For the first time since really 2015, there wasn't an already an alpha on the team. That team and every team since has not had players who defined the Mick Cronin era or the first year under John Brennan with Jaron Cumberland and Trey Scott. Julius was never that guy. Lockin, I don't think, is that guy. And I don't know if Adams Woods, Davenport, or Nolly can be that guy if they come back next year. Now, there was one game in particular, and I was at this game, where it really felt like the the Bearcats' reign atop the American was dethroned, and it's been dethroned ever since, even though they shared a conference regular season title the following season. They got lucky, though, that year. March 10th, 2019. I was at this game. The Bearcats are playing Houston. It's a, it's senior day. It's a nationally televised game on CBS. Andrew Catalan, Steve Lapis are on the call. I don't know if they had a sideline report of that game. They, might, they, they may have. But what I remember is, so the Bearcats are 20th in the country. Houston is 12th. Bearcats win that game. And they share the regular season title with Houston. Lose, Houston wins it outright. And I remember the Bearcats jump out in front, 47-41. There's 13-37 left to play in the first half, in the second half. Houston proceeds to outscore the Bearcats, 44-22, and win the game by 16 points. Largest home loss since 2014. And I remember thinking, there's no way this team is going to win one game in the tournament. They ended up winning that tournament. But Houston took control of the conference on that, let go of it. They've never let it go. Yeah, Wichita State won a regular season title in 2021. You want to count that? Houston shared it in 2020. They won it last year. They won it again this year. It's not rocket science how that game changed the dynamic and the hierarchy in the American. And the Bearcats never got back to the top. They won one outright championship in the American. One. For a program that has had a lot of tradition and a lot of history and a lot of success, they only won one championship. Guys, I'm not kidding. This program is not where it was. And, the, I mean, it was a humbling game. Houston put the rest of the league on notice. The Bearcats have beaten them twice since then, including the next week in the championship game. It hasn't been easy. Houston seized control that day, and they never looked back. 
Bearcats struggle now to win games they're supposed to win. Forget games that are big. They can't even win games they're supposed to win ever since that game. Remember 2020? They, they, they lost to Tulane. They lost to UConn on the road. They lost to UCF at home. They barely squeaked by ECU on the road. They barely squeaked by USF on the road. I mean, they, they, they had these games that just, they, they won, but it was stressful, man. Really? I mean, they barely got by Temple at home. So definitely a fall that's unexpected, but you can trace it back to one game and you can understand why they have fallen. Coming up, they were in it for 10 years, so one of the top 10 Bearcat football moments in the American, I'll reveal my top 10 after we hear from two of our sponsors. Let's talk about the uh, top 10 football moments from the American Athletic Conference for the Cincinnati Bearcats. And these are moments that happened not necessarily in a conference game, but just in their time in the American. Number one, winning the American. Uh, you know what? I just spoiled that. You know what? It's it's obvious. I'll go one through ten. Number one, winning the championship in 2021. Obviously, and they won it in 2020. I I remember that. I was at that game. I called the game for Bearcast Media with Zach Breeze and Sean McMahon. But what I also is the following season being on the sideline for ABC and seeing the crowd understand the moment and what that meant. And considering four years ago where this, where that football program was and where it was then from four wins to the best four teams, in the country, the magnitude of that game felt immense, powerful. And a, an American athletic conference team, was going to the college football playoff. Four years ago, that was impossible. Even with UCF as good as they were, they ended up being a top 10 team. But the Bearcats ultimately crashed it. Number two, beating Notre Dame. It is this program's, football program's signature win. And I had seen teams from mid-major conferences go in and beat Notre Dame. Tulsa did it in 2010. USF did it in 2011. Marshall did it this past season. But the Bearcats going into Notre Dame, a game that had a lot of hype surrounding it. It was a two-week buildup if you were the Bearcats. One week if you're Notre Dame because the Bearcats had to buy the week before. Notre Dame did not. And you remember how many Bearcat fans were there you remember the storylines, Brian Kelly, all that. You remember You remember all of that. And what I remember is what I remember is the amount of fans at that game and what that game meant for them. The vindication, the um erasing of 12 years of what if. I didn't feel that way. I felt like that the Bearcats just beat a really good team and now deserved all the talk in the world to go to the college football playoff. 
but I just remember what that game and win meant for fans all over Clifton, those who were in South Bend that day. That's what I remember. And the amount of Bearcat fans who were there to witness it and then taking over Notre Dame Stadium. Pretty remarkable. Let's go to my number three, the 2020 AAC Championship. You know, that was that was a long time coming. Desmond Ritter said it best after the game on ABC to Holly Rowe. Long time coming. And when you think about the Bearcats' time in the American, they had shared a championship with Houston and Memphis in 2014. They had lost the championship game the year before in devastating fashion. Excuse me, sorry. They fought hard against Tulsa. They they had to endure so much in 2020. COVID, expectations, Ritter struggling early. They had to endure a lot, and they, they came out on top, and that's what you love to see. You know, Tulsa gave them everything they could handle. It was a competitive game, and it was a culmination of everything they had worked for for four years under Luke Fickle. That was the first championship they won under Fickle. And that's exactly what he said he wanted to do when he came to uh, when he came to Cincinnati was play for championships and they won. That's number three. Number four, Sauce Gardner's pick six versus UCF. The Bearcats, and this was really when the Bearcats took over as the top dog in the American. Just like Houston beat Cincinnati in that game in March of 2019. Sauce Gardner's pick six. It was it, first off, it was him coming out. And then it was Cincinnati taking over the pole position for the top spot in the American, in the Eastern Division, and then they played for the next three conference championships. So it, 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 so what it did was it changed the hierarchy. It was the coming out of a player who may be the greatest Bearcats player in terms of success of all time considering what he's already done in the NFL and it was it was another brick in the foundation of getting this team to where it ultimately went which was the college football playoff number five James Wiggins's pick six remember this play SMU and Dallas Bearcats were coming off a loss to Temple never should have happened they had to kick a 41 yard field goal three times because SMU kept icing Cole Smith to tie the game and force overtime. And then James Wiggins with that pick six. Got the Bearcats win number seven on the season. Really, really impressive by what the Bearcats were able to do in winning that game. All right, let's go. I mean, considering 80, what was it? 86 yards, I think. Whatever it was. Pick six, walk-off pick six in overtime by a true playmaker who always was there, it felt like, in the big moments. Number six, Andrew Gantz. Game winning DCU in 2014. A high spare. Bearcats clinched bowl eligibility for, what was at the time, their uh, fourth straight season. And that was at what was then Paul Brown Stadium, now Paycor Stadium. 
a high-scoring game, Cincinnati 47-yard game-winning field goal, and they've had some troubles with kickers over the years, but and they didn't have a lot of game-winning field goal games in the American size the championship game in 2020, but that year, Andrew Gantz with the game winner against a good ECU team that year. Let's go to number seven, Sam Crosa's game-winning field goals. These were two more game-winning field goals the Bearcats had. They were on the road, a high-scoring game at ECU, a tough, gritty win in USF where the Bearcats were down big at halftime, but they came back and tied the game, won on six, and they struggled in the kicking game that year. Crosa and Cole Smith combined. But and push came to shove. Sam Crosa nailing two game-winning field goals, got the Bearcats to 10 wins and a division title in the American and a conference championship game appearance. Number eight, beating Miami, Florida at home. Big crowd, ACC powerhouse, name brand school in Nippert Stadium, their business that night. Number nine, the Chili Special. Touchdown pass to Desmond Ritter on his senior day against SMU. A highlight for me in that 2021 season, Ritter's senior day, all the hard work, and him coming out with his daughter, Layton, and finding and saving that play for that game. Ritter was spectacular that day. There were questions about Cincinnati coming in. Could SMU be the team to upset them? And the Bears beat him 48-14. And then finally, number 10, the pick six at Miami 2017. Luke Fickle's first battle for the victory bell game as a head coach of the Bearcats. And I remember where I was for that game. I was in the press box first game covering it for the news record at Cincinnati. Malik Clements. Bearcats trailed 17-6 with just over three and a half minutes to go. They rallied for 15 points, including the pick six by Malik Clements, to win the game and what was at the time their 12th consecutive battle for the victory belt. Was it 12? Yeah, it was 12. 12 straight. And it's now at 16. Hopefully that will continue when the Bearcats go to the Big 12 at 17. Coming up tomorrow, a preview of the Bearcats and Virginia Tech in the NIT, plus the latest from spring practice Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm going to tell you why I like Scott Satterfield the more I read and what I hear about Bearcats' new head coach. Until then, thanks for making Mockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available everywhere you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. So don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. For your second listen today, check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court for its coaches and players throughout the basketball landscape. Lockdown College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the first night of the NCAA tournament tonight. We've got two games tonight just down the road at UD Arena, down the road from where I am, up the road from where you are, potentially in Cincinnati. We've got Southeast Missouri State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi at 640 on True TV. That's a South region game. The winner of that game will face Alabama in the first round. And then at 910 approximately on True TV, you've got Pitt and Mississippi State. That's an 11 seed matchup. That is in the Midwest region. The winner of that game will play TCU. Is that right? I think it is. I better confirm that. They will play, let me see. I shouldn't know this, but they will play, I believe, TCU Friday. 
I'm spending so much time on this. Um, oh, no, you know what? I think it's Iowa State. That's Iowa State. The winner of Nevada and Arizona State will face TCU. So there you have it. I'm Alex Frank, the Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's and an ATI and an ATI. Instagram, Alex Frank, not underscore an email, Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the tournament games tonight, and I'll be back tomorrow previewing the Bearcats and Virginia Tech in the NIT first round right here on Lockdown Bearcats.